0: Uh, Today's topic is the pierced ear. That'll make more sense in a few minutes, hopefully. Uh, There's a ethnic group, common ethnic group, that actually lives in the Indian Ocean. Uh, They live on boats. Uh, Their kids learn how to swim before they learn how to walk, which makes sense. And so, since they live on the ocean, they have an intimacy with the ocean that most of us wouldn't have. Uh, Does anybody know what happened on... January, I mean, December 26, 2004. What was it? Yeah, the third largest earthquake ever recorded. It was in the bottom of the Indian Ocean, actually. Uh, what happens when there's an earthquake at the bottom of the ocean? <laughs> it causes a huge uh, uh, tsunami or tidal wave, whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you recall, almost a quarter of a million people died as a result. The tidal wave, or the, the wave was over 100 feet it was traveling like 500 miles an hour. Just, just mind-boggling. Well, like I said, a quarter million people died, but not one Moken died. Uh, when they saw what was happening, when the water started to recede, they could tell what was going to happen. Those who were close to Thailand uh, got out of their boats and went to higher land. The others that were still on the, on the boats moved out deeper, to deeper water. Not one lost their life why because they could read they had an intimacy with the ocean they could read what was going on and so what we're interested in is being able to read and understand have intimacy intimacy and communication with God and uh, catch you up a little bit from last week if you weren't here a reminder Uh, we said that 77% of Americans at least pray once a week so most of you here uh, at least pray once a week. But what does that mean? And we just discovered that the most common way for God to communicate with, is, with us is through a whisper. He doesn't yell at us, which I think is good. I don't like to be yelled at. I don't think you do either. He can if he wants to, and he has done that. But his prominent method is to whisper. So why? What's the result of somebody whispering? <clears throat> and we talked about last week <clears throat> when somebody whispers, you tend to lean in, don't you? You're trying to hear what they said. And you're trying to draw closer. And it's a, it's a, a way to draw, uh, to bring intimacy. And those of us with kids, when our kids are small, and I have grandkids, I can whisper to them. And well, what are they going to do? They're going to come closer to me. And I want them to be closer to me. So I can grab them and hug them and, and kiss them, right? So God's predominant way is to whisper. And I believe it's so because he wants intimacy with us. Now this, our side is to listen, and listening isn't a passive thing, it needs to be an active thing. We need to clear our minds and say, God, speak, and we said this last week, uh, we titled it, The Bravest Prayer is to say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so we want to pick it up there, uh, this week. And one thing that kind of, bugs me is when people say God's got to do this or got to do that, I call it trying to put God in a box. And what I always say to them, Anytime you try and put God in a box, he's going to prove you wrong. (laughs) Uh, God is God and we're not. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, So we do pray, but we don't pray in a way that we try and limit God. God. 1940, 1940, a group of students from Wheaton College, Christian School, found out it's out near Chicago, and it was in the Midwest somewhere, traveled to England. A professor took a bunch of students to England. And on that trip, they visited uh, Charles Wesley and John Wesley's uh, house. Uh, They were the the founders of the Methodist Church, so some of you are Methodists or been been Methodists in the past. Uh, They they started that that movement. Anyway, in one of the bedrooms, there's these two indentations on the floor. And the tour guide was saying, <clears throat> uh, that was the result of, of uh, Charles Wesley praying. And he, he prayed so much on his knees, it caused these indentations in the floor. So they all got back on a bus. and tour, uh, The professor found out one, got, one student was missing. So he went back in the house looking. <clears throat> anyway, he found this student. Down on his knees, in those indentations, praying. And his prayer was this, God, do it again. God, do it again. That young man's name, by the way, was Billy Graham. Um, I think in in many ways, uh, God answered that prayer for, for, for Dr. Graham. And let me ask you a simple question. Do you think God wants to answer that prayer? Do you think God will answer that prayer? Has he answered that prayer? Absolutely. So I put on your outline this thought because sometimes we think, well, and stuff in the Bible happened then, it doesn't happen now. So, if we do what the, in the people in the Bible did, God will do what he did. That makes sense, right? In fact, Jesus said, we will be able to do greater things. Now, Jesus said something, appears six times, Jesus said this, and then it also, the statement appears eight times in what's called the book of Revelation. And this was about hearing or listening. And he would tell a story, and after the story or parable, he would say this. It's in this one one of the six times is in Mark chapter four verse nine. He said, "Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand." Okay, so that we all have ears, I think. So we we all have ears. Well, do we use our ears? Now, first, you have to use your ears to actually hear what's said, and we all have can have selective hearing, right? And not hear, even though something is said. Listening means actually hearing what is said. But you don't always understand what is said, do you? Um, kind of funny illustration when we were missionaries in Portugal. Uh, uh, Joshua probably remembered the debates had two daughters about the age of Josh and Micah. And, and they were from down south and they were missionaries. Uh, they were ahead of us by uh, six months or whatever. But they were there and one day the girls were with us and it started hailing outside. And my wife said something like, oh, look at the hail. And one of the girls said, oh, you said a bad word. My wife said hail, but she heard what? Hell with a southern accent, right? (laughs) So you can hear something and not understand it. We all have filters. Filters. Of course, so there's another step after understanding is if we do what we've heard, right? Um, in fact, those of you parents with kids, when you say, do you hear me? What do you mean when you say that to your kids? Not did you literally hear, but are you going to do what I said? In fact, Jesus told a story. A parent saying to his kids, hey, I want you to go out in the field to work. One kid said, yeah, I'll go work, dad. The other kid said, I'm not going to do that. Well, as it turned out, the kid that said no went out and worked. The kid that said he would, would, didn't do it. And then Jesus ends the story with what? Who did the will of his father? Who did what the father said? And, of course, it was the guy that said no, but actually went ahead and did it. So we all have filters. In fact, experts tell us that different people in different countries hear differently. We all know that males and females hear differently, right? You can nod your head. Uh, Catholics here different than Baptists. Baptists here different than Pentecostals. Democrats here different than Republicans. Right? Be in prayer for Tuesday. Uh, whatever your persuasion is. So Jesus said, "Okay, we all have ears. We're created with ears. We need to hear, listen, understand, and obey." So it brings us this word of obey or open. Scripture uses the word open. Have our eye, uh, ears. Open, it literally means to give ear. That's why it fits in with this series. Uh, open means to give ear, to, give ear, to listen. Uh, it also can mean pierce. Now, pierce has two different meanings. There's a physical piercing. In the Old Testament, if you're a slave, <clears throat> you work for six years, and then you would be set free unless you didn't want to be. If you like serving that family, you could say, no, I want to be a slave for the rest of my life, which to us seems strange, but it was pretty common then. Uh, sometimes the slaves would treat as family members. So after six years, you could say, yes, I want to stay with your fam- this family, and they would pierce the ear, mark the ear with a physical marking saying, this is my slave for life. But piercing can also mean an inter- internal piercing, right? And so what the Bible is saying, when you, when you listen, don't just listen to hear the words, let it pierce you. Let it impact you. Let it affect you. Consequently, if, if and when it does, then you will be, uh, respond to that. Uh, one word that comes to mind is obey. If a child literally hears his parents, he's going to obey that parent. If we literally hear God, if that message pierces us, We often say pierce our hearts, but pierces our ears, then we will obey. So what is the loudest voice in your life? I can say it this way. What voice is piercing your ears, gets your attention? Another word is submission. Uh, This is saying, I am submitting to you, in this case, God, "to to your message, your voice. So we're going to look at a story that Jesus told, a parable or, or an illustration, and uh, it's, it's kind of unusual because he com- makes two, two different comparisons in this, in this story. It actually goes longer. We don't have time to cover the, the, the whole thing. Part of it will probably sound familiar to most of you, and John, who was one of Jesus' disciples, wrote this down for us. So, John chapter 10. This is Jesus speaking. He says, "I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold." So he's giving this illustration of a shepherd and sheep. So anyone who sneaks over the wall, rather than going through the gate, must truly really be a thief and a robber. So they had sheep pens or sheep gates. The sheep would go in. There'd be a door or passageway, and of course the shepherd would go in and out that way. But if you wanted to cause destruction, if you wanted to be a thief, do you want to be a robber? then you would sneak in some other way because they weren't your sheep. And so he's talking about uh, religious leaders, teachers, false teachers, and he's saying these folks are trying to rob the sheep or the message to the sheep or actually rob the sheep. Rob them of the truth, rob them of uh, uh, the confidence, insurance, protection uh, that the shepherd would provide. But then he says, contrast that, but the one who is, enters to the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So he goes to the gate, he puts them in the, in the sheep get, uh, pen to protect the sheep. And then he goes in and out through the gate. Uh, the gate being a, a, a means of protection for the, what's inside and keeping uh, sh- robbers and thieves on the outside. And then he says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, meaning the shepherd, <clears throat> and the sheep recognize his voice. Whose voice is it? The shepherd's voice. And they come to him. Sometimes shepherds would put, multiple shepherds would put their sheep in the, in the sheep pen. So how would they get them <laughs> separated afterwards? And we've talked about this before. The best illustration I can say is if a bunch of you have dogs as pets, and we put them all together and then you called, what dog would come to you? Your dog would come to you. It wouldn't come to me and it wouldn't go to somebody else. Uh, we have a dog here this morning. Good illustration. Uh, so he's saying well, that's what happens with the sheep. Now the reason that, sh- that the sheep know the shepherd's voice is because they grew up with that shepherd. They had uh, experience with that. They had an intimate relationship with that shepherd just like your dogs do, do with you. So he calls the sheep by name, and he leads them out. He leads them out because they f- follow, follow his voice. And next verse says, after he has gathered his own flock, so I've called my flock, you called your flock, your sheep, he walks ahead of them, he leads, and they follow him, Why do they follow? Because they know his voice. Now sheep just like us tend to wander and we get distracted by other voices uh, so we need to hear the gentle whisper of God and focus on that so we don't wander so we follow him. Uh, Following Jesus changing together we say that every week. Well we can't follow if we don't hear. Makes sense. Then he says they won't follow a stranger Sheep won't go to some stranger's voice. Your dog won't go to a stranger. They will run from him. In fact, they could run the other way because they don't know his voice. They don't have a relationship. And if you don't have a relationship with with someone, your natural tendency is to what? Back away. This actually says to run. I don't know if I can trust you. I don't have a relationship with you. You haven't proven yourself trustworthy. So Jesus tells this little story and the people didn't get it. Next verse says, those who heard Jesus say this, use this illustration, didn't understand what he meant. So he tried it again. That's what I would do as a speaker. If I'm speaking and use an illustration, you don't understand. I'd say, well, let me try, explain it this way. So he uses another illustration, still based around sheep and a shepherd. So he explains it this way. I tell you the truth, I am like the gate for the sheep. All right? There's this way in and out that protects them and keeps keeps danger away, and I'm that gate. I'm the one that protects them and keeps dangers away. Then he goes on, all who come before me were thieves and robbers. So he's talking about these false teachers uh, in Judaism uh, at the time. But the true sheep did not listen to them. So that's how you distinguish if you're true sheep, if you listen to the shepherd's voice or to the thief and robbers. Often the shepherd would lay across that that gate. That way nobody could get in to harm the sheep. The sheep couldn't get out where they wouldn't be protected. Then he goes on, repeats himself Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. He said, I am the gate. I am the way. I'm the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And When we say that, people think we're intolerant. And they say, well, there should be multiple ways to God. And my response is always this way. If I'm trapped in a cave and there's one way out, am I going to complain? If I'm trapped in a a burning house and there's only one way out, am I going to complain? We should be thankful that there is a way, that God has provided a way for us to be forgiven, to have a relationship with him, spend eternity with him. One way is better than no ways, right? Right? So let's be thankful that he is the gate. He is the way uh, to salvation. And he goes back and says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. You might use the evil one. Um, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Full and abundant life, some translations say. He said, I'm here to provide for them. I'm here to protect for them. I'm here to give you a better life than you would have if you're not a Jesus follower. And we talk about this all the time. Uh, you can think about it, you're, you're living on a higher plane. Because you and I, that have experiences with Jesus, have a relationship with him, if he, he doesn't, we just pray and hope that someday you will. We live on a higher plane, meaning that we have a purpose and meaning in life that, sorry to say, you may not. And we can forgive We can love those that that hate us, our enemies. That's kind of hard to do. And most people outside of Jesus can't do that, don't want to do that. So he's saying, I'm giving you a a better life, a rich, a satisfying life, a life with more purpose and meaning, uh, a fulfilled life. And then he switches his analogy again, (laughs) and he says, I am, okay, I am the good shepherd. And notice what he says about the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So if that shepherd's laying across that that opening and a wolf or some wild animal comes, that shepherd will fight that animal to the death to protect the sheep. And of course we know, most of us know, that Jesus came to earth and suffered and literally died, sacrificed his life for us, so we could become his sheep, his children. And have a relationship with him. Then he skipped down a couple more verses. He he says the same thing again. I am the good shepherd. Not a bad shepherd. Not a thief. Not a robber. I'm a good shepherd. I do things. What's good for people. And he says this. I know my own sheep. And they know me. I know them by name. I know their voice. They know me by name. They know my voice. So here's the thing though. It's on your outline. Listening doesn't happen by default, but by design. You just don't automatically hear. You don't automatically uh, listen. Uh, We went to another country and lived. It took took me over a year before I could preach a sermon in in Portuguese. Uh, I had to have a plan. I had to work. I had to study to learn that language. And the same thing with us. We're not just by default going to hear God. And we're going to try and help you with that over the next couple of weeks. How and what you can do to hear God. Because our society, our lives, it's like a war against us to keep us from doing that. Uh, some missionaries went to Africa and they got, hired some guides. And guides were taking them uh, to where they wanted to go. And they, they weren't going very fast. And the missionaries were frustrated with the speed the first day and the speed the second day. So they kind of pushed things on the third day they got twice as far on the third day as they did on either of the other days. And they felt really satisfied, and they made progress. And the next day, though, the guys wouldn't leave. They wouldn't move. And so they were confused. They were saying, well, what's the matter? And they said, we went so fast yesterday that our souls need to catch up. And that's what we do. Our, Our fallback is ASAP, isn't it? It's hard for us to stop. It's hard for us to be still, be still and know that, that God is God. Another component of this is hearing the voice of God is not a solo but a team sport. Now we're going to we encourage you to 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 hear God personally. But it's hard sometimes to know, isn't it? Is this God? Is this not God? Is this some other voice? And so it's good to have encouragement, it's good to have confirmation, it's good to have uh, some other people. And that's why we do church. <laughs> uh, just not me. It's just not you. We together figure out what God wants us to do. And so we figure out together what our direction of our church is. And the ministries we're going to be involved in. what we're going to do. <clears throat> one of my favorite writers is Oswald Chambers. and This is what one thing he has written. He said, let God be as original with other people as he is with you. Now, I have a unique relationship with God. And so should you. And you can hear, from, God can speak to you in different ways that he speaks to me. And so let's not, again, try and put God in a box. And the other side of this, if you want something different to happen, you want something new to happen, you have to do something different. Keep doing the same thing, you're gonna get the same results. And that, again, that's one reason we, why we keep doing things differently here. We want different results. Another way God speaks is through divine Appointments, divine appointments. I love when people say to me, "You know, I just happened to turn the radio on, and it was this song that God used to speak to me." Or this guy was speaking, and it just happened to say something. Or I picked this book up and I read this. Or in my devotions, I, I read this, and God used this to speak to me. There's divine appointments, and of course, I think the greatest ones are physical divine appointments. Uh, you ever come across somebody you never knew before and you find out they're a believer and you, get, you, just, uh, you just start this conversation and you're brothers and sisters in, in, in God, and you just, you're like friends when you never, never met before. And it's a divine appointment. The writer, we'll be finished here in a few minutes, the writer of Hebrews, he's gonna be writing about, how, about what God's experience uh, kind of through history. And he starts his writing with this. Long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors, to the prophets. So his Bible was the Old Testament, and that's what he's referring to. He said, long ago, that was at least 400 years ago, maybe 1,000 years ago, this stuff was written down. And many of us know a lot of those stories, a lot of kind of strange things happen. But God spoke in many times in many ways uh, to our ancestors. Now in these final days, in these present days, He has spoken to us through his son. So he's saying, the greatest, the final, not the final, but the greatest revelation of God is through his son, Jesus. We say this often. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. If you want to understand God's character, God's nature, look at Jesus. Look at the things Jesus said. Look at the way Jesus treated people. He's saying, this is the way God speaks to us. So when we think about prayer, we often think about what we're saying, what, what we're going to talk. And we said last week, if we're with somebody greater than us or more intelligent than us, or even if we're meeting a person for the first time, courtesy would be to do what? Do more listening than talking. It certainly should be the case in our life with God. So I put this on your outline. Prayer isn't about us giving our agenda to God. That's part of it. You should do that. You should pour your heart out to God. You should talk, give your desires to God. We'll talk about that in a week or two. But the major goal of prayer is communication with God. That's our definition, a conversation with God. That was our definition we used. It's not about giving our agenda to God, it's about God giving his agenda to us. Again, that prayer. <laughs> Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I want to know what you want to do. I'm going to get, find out what you're doing and join you, as, as one writer has put it. I'd rather have one of God's ideas than a hundred good ideas, wouldn't you? How do we know? Well, you have to listen. To be able to listen, we have to be still. Now, to learn something, the key is to love learning. Um, or love what you can get from learning. I never liked learning languages in high school, in high school and seminary, but when I got to Portugal, I loved learning Portuguese. Why? (laughs) Because I wanted to be able to share the love of Jesus with people that hadn't heard. So we can literally get more done by doing less. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, he prayed one day for four hours, and somebody said, Why did you pray so long? He said, Because I had so much to do today. I'm not musical. Some of you are. This will really probably have an impact on you more so than me, but I thought it was pretty fascinating. Um, I think I'm going to explain it first before we watch it this time so you can watch for it. Uh, one of the most famous four notes in classical music, you're, you're going to recognize it. You might not know where it's from. I'm going to tell you. It's from Beethoven's Fifth. But this is best I, I could tell from studying. was this would, He did something unique in this in this piece of music that had never been done before. The music actually starts with a rest. So watch the conductor, he'll do it twice. He'll move his hands and there'll be no music. Then the music will start. Let's watch. fascinating, and no music. So what was he doing? By starting with quiet, starting without music, when the music started, it had greater impact, didn't it? It was heard in a a louder way, a special way. I don't know about your life. What does that look like in your life? How do you need to start with an eighth rest, that's what it was called. My wife tells me, I'm not <laughs> And start with an eighth rest. How do you start with an eighth rest in your life? Now, we're going to give you a homework assignment. This is what we want you to do. We want you to discover your listening spot, where you can go to hear God, where you can go to be still, uh, where you can go to be quiet. And we all can give excuse for this, but let me give an example and then we won't have any excuses. Susanna Wesley, John Wesley's mom, had 17 children. Anybody here have 17? Okay. I thought four was a lot, okay? 17. And when she wanted to talk with God or listen to God, she would pull her apron up over her head or pick up a blanket and put it over her head and her 17 kids would know mom was in her listening spot and they would leave her alone. So if Susanna Wesley with 17 kids can have a listening spot, you and I can. Let me sp- explain it this way, and we'll be finished. I said to a guy last Sunday morning, I want to, hey, let's get together this week. I'd like to talk to you some about, about prayer, something he's really interested in, so I was trying to learn some things from him. So at that point, were we going to get together this week? Let's get together this week. So, I think it was Tuesday, he calls me up. I say, what's the rest of your week look like? And I said, okay, I'm doing this, this. And... Okay, how about this time? I it work for you? Yeah. Where should we meet? Okay, we'll, we'll meet there. All right. So, we decided on a time and a place. And then we met and had the conversation. Now, I understand God will meet you anytime, any place, But don't you think we should honor God enough to say, hey, <laughs> here's where I'm going to meet you every day. Will God show up? God will show up. The question is where you and I will show up. We need to find that place, though, where we can he- clearly hear God. So that's your song this week. Many of us have those. I have a, in my study, I turn from my desk and the computer and I'll stare out the window. That's one of my listening spots. The others, most of you know, running in the woods. I run in the woods. I listen to God. Let me encourage you to do that. Uh, this week if you don't. And if you have, say, hey God, I'm showing up like normal for our conversation. So let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. We thank you that you so desire to talk to us, communicate with us. If we'd be willing to quiet our spirits, if we would let just listen. If we would let that message, that communication, not just hit our outer ears, but hit our inner ears. God, that would pierce our ears, that would pierce our hearts, that would impact our lives and change us. God, we thank you for this privilege we have. I speak to you anytime. But God, help us to honor you with a, a listening spot, a arranged time, an arranged place. I think that's the most productive way for us to hear you. I'm gonna pray for anybody... This morning, God, has never stepped across that line, never probably have prayed some kind of prayer in their life, but never got to that place where they pierced their life and, and decided, yes, Jesus, I want to have this relationship with you. Today would be been to step across that line. They wouldn't understand it all. But God, I'm here to listen, and I've heard at least enough that you love me so much you died for me. I thank you for that gift. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.